So the episode you're about to listen to is with Sue Ann Kirkham, the author of Loving Zelda, a stepdaughter's caregiving journal. Tune in. And if you know someone who needs to hear Sue Ann's advice, please send them the episode. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Caregiver Stories podcast, where we discuss all things dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott. I am a part-time caregiver to my mother, who at the age of 65 was diagnosed with early onset dementia. And in 2019, I started Caregiver Stories podcast to build awareness, to give caregivers a place to tell their story when they're ready, to continue to educate those who don't know about dementia, and most importantly, to get people talking and having a tough conversation about the what if your loved one is diagnosed, what's the plan? So if you would like to listen to other episodes, please do so by going to thatkimberly.com. While you're there, you can also sign up for the podcast if you'd like to share your story and choose which platform you'd like to listen to the podcast on. And now that I got that out of the way, I would like to introduce my guest today, Sue Ann. Hi, Sue Ann. Hi. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Well, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and sharing your story with me and the listeners. Can you give the listeners a little bit of background about who you are and your experience with dementia? Okay. Well, now I am a writer and a blogger, and I just published my first book on this very subject, Loving Zelda, a stepdaughter's caregiving journal. And that is based on the year and a half, 19 months I spent caring for my stepmother who Mm -hmm. had dementia and my father who wanted to stay in their home. So I quit my full-time job and started going over there every weekday, Monday through Friday. And sometimes that bleeds into the weekends as caregivers often. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, there aren't any, aren't any hard and fast lines about <laughs> when care will be needed or when yeah. care is needed. That was in 2005 and into 2006. So it's been a while after publishing the book last year I, or this this past year, I am meeting with other groups and learning of resources. And I'm greatly encouraged that a lot of the things that I had to feel like I had to kind of feel my way through all by myself, now there's a lot of support and there are resources available more and more every day, which is very encouraging. Yeah. How did you figure out or when did you figure out that your stepmother had dementia and was she clinically diagnosed? You know, we got the general umbrella diagnosis of dementia. We were as, you know, as applied as just kind of a a broad description. And I'm not so sure that we ever got any kind of a definitive diagnosis along the way. Before I left my full-time job to help them out in their townhouse, I had noticed there were a few things. She had a couple episodes that were very frightening to her, Mm -hmm. and she would forget a breakfast date with a dear friend and she'd never done that before and she would just little hints and beginning I think everybody does not assume dementia is the first explanation for these things you you don't want to assume that so at first I thought well she's lost her sense of taste and smell which I think now I realize as a sign is an early 
symptom of dementia. And she was losing weight and she was acting like someone maybe with a low blood sugar or fatigue. So you ascribe it to all of those things. And then, well, what happened was actually one day my husband and I both had full-time jobs. My dad greeted us one day when we were over there and said, we have to get rid of the dogs. We just can't walk them any longer. These are beloved pets, very Mm -hmm. important to their emotional well-being. So my husband and I started going over and walking the dogs every day because we did not want them to have to give up that that pleasure in their lives. And one day my dad greeted us at the door and said, we have to move to assisted living. During that dog walk that day, I decided, no, (laughs) not if I can help. So Mm -hmm. that was the deciding point. And he had gotten to the point where he realized that his wife's needs were more than he could cope with. And so my going over there Monday through Friday was our solution to that. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're a great daughter, great stepdaughter, whatever, however you, whatever you want to label yourself. This was a very special lady. She was yeah. my best friend and a beloved family member. And I just, the thought of it was just more than I could yeah. to think of them. They're both very private people having to go into that kind of a dependency relationship with strangers. Yeah, definitely. What advice would you give someone who just found out that their loved one has dementia? Well, I think you need to really expect the unexpected Mm -hmm. and be really patient with yourself because you're not going to know from day one how to deal with all of this. It's a learning, it's a pretty steep learning curve in in caring and learning and trying to acclimate yourself to the new situation, which can change every day. Yeah. There, there are a lot of mood swings, as you know, in dementia. There's not a smooth progression in the course of the disease. So you may be dealing with different issues day to day. But I think for me, being patient with yourself, and this is where I think today's the plethora of support groups, and we have in Minnesota, they have the Memory Cafe meetings at libraries where caregivers and dementia, the recipients of the caregiving can all attend and get support from one another. We have book clubs on the subject of dementia, and there are resources out there. So I really highly recommend that keep a journal, Mm -hmm. even if you don't want to publish it like I did mine, Mm -hmm. then you still, you need a place to vent and to seek out these resources because I was beating myself up a lot. And I think I would have done less of that had I been hearing that other people say, me too, I've been there and this is how I coped. And Absolutely. You'll learn from them. From others. Absolutely. I learned that whole patience and not to argue with her yeah. because, you know, my mom and I are very similar in personalities. And I would call her one of my best friends, you know, and I just hated that it was so tough for her to take the direction from me as well as her fight back with me. So I just learned to roll with it and not get upset and be as patient with her and myself because you hit it on the head when you said you never know what to expect and you more you react yeah you don't, don't know, know how to react and <laughs> and if you're beating yourself up all the time while you're caring for someone you're just you're draining your energy and the overall love that you have in that relationship for that person i think it's a rare personality that doesn't have an, a streak of independence where you don't want someone else directing your moves or your or guiding you through your day so there's that there's a kind of innate instinctive thing within human beings to resist that 
yeah. you're in a role reversal situation, that's just a huge adjustment for everybody. Absolutely. What are some things you want people to know when it comes to dementia? Well, I think one of the things that, that tripped me up was expecting other people outside of our little tiny universe to respect and understand and, you know, and kind of make a broad <laughs> cushion around us when we would try to go about our daily activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people are not going to step aside or cater to your current situation. They don't even notice sometimes. They just yeah. know that the lady in front of them is being slow and plodding and looks confused and they get impatient. So that was one thing for me is to just kind of, again, be patient with the outsiders who mm-hmm. don't understand our situation. But I think also one of the very big issues I think probably it's a universal thing. As your abilities decline physically and or cognitively, you feel your worth as a human being kind of seeping away. Mm -hmm. And that to me was just a huge bottom line issue is that I want to try to help restore that. And that's a really, really tricky exercise Mm -hmm. because you can't just say, no, you still have value. That's going to be brushed away. It's a kind of an empty phrase. But there's that awful sense of worthlessness that, and then you're, you're faced with it for the first time in your life. You're seeing people who used to be confident and able now Mm -hmm. feeling, losing the confidence and losing, losing the ability. And then their own value in their own eyes is is decreased. So if you can convey to them in a really subtle ways, one of the things I came across, I'm doing a lot of reading. I've learned so much yeah. <laughs> that I wish I had known 15 years ago or 12 years ago. But if you can say things like, I so enjoy hearing these stories, it's not because as we know, the memories from the past are much more accurate and accessible to the dementia sufferer than yesterday's yeah. you know, agenda would be to them. Or, you know, I love that you can always make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Any subtle expression of continued worth of that individual, I guess I realize now that, that that was the thing that gave me the greatest heartache was to see them lose esteem in their own eyes and then for me to try to fumble around trying to restore that. So, mm-hmm. I, so there, are, there are guidelines on this that you know, are being written about and there are people with more expertise than I have who you can use as resources. But I think that direct approach will not work because it's like anybody else, you're going to slough off a, a kind of a hollow compliment or a, a cliche phrase. But if you can do something really personal, personalize it and yeah. make it, you know, put your heart and soul into it, then you might be able to help rebuild a little bit. Absolutely. My mom, when she makes us laugh or does something that's funny or does something because she has two dogs that she likes to cater to. And so when she does something, you know, with them, it's definitely acknowledged. And I find that the laughter of anything keeps her, you know, finding the sense of her within herself. You know, I see it within her, you know, because it's the hardest thing to see someone deteriorate and not be the same person or have to explain to someone else how, yes, he or she may look like it's the same person, yes, but they're really not. And, you know, or, or like you said, the person in line behind you that doesn't know you, and they're impatient, or the person that do know them and don't quite understand why you're being so protective or so motherly of sorts, (laughs) is definitely something that's hard on the caregiver. I felt, or it was hard on me because I want people to treat her 
as best as they can as the same, but I also want them to look out after those that I trust want to make sure that they look out after her and yeah, accommodate the best that they can. I can't say it's everybody, but you know, when it's possible. So. And it's so easy for someone outside of the day-to-day exchanges, the day-to-day experience to criticize or to tell you how you should be doing this or you should be doing that. So that's a really tough one, I think. And and it's, that's a major frustration where I suppose the support groups are very helpful Mm -hmm. in, venting those frustrations but that's that's i think a really big obstacle for a lot of caregivers is yeah outside advice that based on old information (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and because everybody's journey disease whatever is different nobody's is the same there are similar instances but they're all so different and it is like telling someone how to parent i feel You know, and nobody likes that. Nobody ever, you know, or how to drive. So there's another complicating thing here is that a dementia invaded mind is certainly not going to work the same. And that dementia patient may be telling other people things that are based on a false reality on their perception. Yes. So that third party is not understanding that this is a paranoid delusion or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And that, that can cause a lot of blowback and misunderstanding of what's yeah. going on. So there's that, that other complicating factor. So you, communication with all concerned parties is, is hugely important. And if, if you can keep that going, that you're going to be yeah. steps ahead of the game. Absolutely. So what is something that you realized about yourself from being a caregiver that surprised you? Well, I think my own emotions are a lot more volatile than I realized because you're suddenly in this incredibly intense situation. I wanted to will them out of the kind of stereotypes that they were starting to fall into because of the age and decline, physical cognitive decline. So I was so emotionally invested before I ever started the caregiving. And then to have this person, this dear friend, my stepmother, who I've been so close to for 30 years, Mm -hmm. to have her suddenly misinterpret what I'm saying and give me a hard, dark glare. I say, make a perfectly innocent comment. And she would just totally misinterpret it. And then I thought and hoped that I could calmly change the subject and calmly redirect and calmly explain. But my own emotions this is a personality trait of mine, but I think probably a lot of us are going to just would discover this when you're in this kind of intense situation that my own emotions would bubble up Mm -hmm. and I had to deal with my own emotions and try and keep those in check and try and tailor them to this new situation, try and not take things personally. Yeah. And I think no matter what kind of personality you have, it's hard not to take it personally when the person you dearly love looks at you as if you've just stolen their socks because yes. they find them. <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it is. <laughs> um, I have been there, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's very, very disheartening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. My stepdad would ask questions and I know that it takes a village and because I do appreciate the things that he does for my mother, it is still discouraging when he asks me questions or she'll think that she's missing something and that it's lost, you know, that 
either not necessarily that my stepdad took or that I took it, but Somebody. that's the way, that's the way it comes out, you know, and it's, it's just that it's lost. It's, it's somewhere in the house. It's not, you know, that anybody took it. It's just somewhere in the house and we'll find it because she hides things. So I definitely know that feeling. So. Well, and then when that object surfaces, it's kind of like, okay, now the dementia sufferer has to save face because mm. they realize that there's some level, a little flicker of awareness yeah. that they made a big mistake or that they were totally wrong. Mm -hmm. And then you have to kind of tiptoe around this little recovery period from that and try to try to get past it because that's a huge thing, especially in those early stages of dementia where there's still some awareness. You, oh yeah. You're gonna be embarrassed, they're gonna be humiliated, they're gonna feel ashamed, they're gonna feel regretful, and that's a really difficult thing too, yeah. because you know it's all stems from the disease, but mm -hmm. it's still a very real thing to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how can folks get a hold of you or if they want to buy your book or learn more about what you're doing? Well, my book is, again, it's Loving Zelda, a Stepdaughter's mm -hmm. Caregiving Journal. I will excerpt from my journal entries and I give a lot of background and history on, of the family. So it's kind of a story that goes beyond the dementia aspect, but that's huge. And then in the course of writing it, my father also went into decline. So we deal with all, a lot of aspects of aging. That book is available through Barnes & Noble. It's available on Amazon. That's okay. <laughs> Amazon, that huge operation. And also ebook. And it's available from those two sources on ebook or on Smashwords. Uh -huh. And I also have, I have a book website, just lovingzelda.com. Okay. And I have a blog that I do, a Facebook author page under my name. And then I do a blog at www.yourrecipesforlife.com. So all of those will kind of link you back to the sources for more information. I'm going to post photographs. I've had people who readers tell me, we wish you to put photographs in the book. Well, I'm going to post those online. So Okay. And you did say it is under Sue Ann Kirkham, right? Okay. A-I-R-K-H-A-M. Okay. That's your Facebook author Facebook, yeah. page. Right. Okay. Right. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today and sharing your story with us, Sue Ann. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And listeners, if you know someone that needs to hear Sue Ann's story or read her book, please send this episode to them or share their name, tag them in the comments below. And if you want to listen to other episodes again, you can go to thatkimberly.com to choose where you like to listen to the podcast. And maybe while you're there, rate that podcast. That'd be great. And until next week, remember sharing is caring and to the caregivers listening in the words of my friend Dottie Gandy, you have my undying love, gratitude, and admiration. And to all those that have not had the conversation with their family members, their loved ones about dementia, please start talking about it. Start talking about the what if something happens and they can no longer care for themselves. Then what? What's the plan? Thank you, Sue Ann. I appreciate your time. Thank you.